love movies. I watch movies all the time. And I, I especially like the ones that have that twist in it, you know, where everything's going one direction, going this way, going this way, going this way, and all of a sudden you went, what? <laughs> what, just, what just happened? You know what I'm talking about. You know, like when uh, Bruce Willis finds out he's the ghost. He, you know what I'm talking about? He, you find out he, 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 you haven't seen that? And I just spoiled it for you. Really? Come on. You find out he's the ghost, and you go, or Charleston Heston, you know, I know I'm dating back. Charleston Heston on an alien planet finds a statue of liberty and realizes, oh no, this is Earth. The AI took over, wiped out all the humans, and then gave all the power to the gorillas. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so it's just like this incredible twist, like you think you're going one way. Of course, the, the best, <laughs> the one that we know the, off, the, the most is Darth Vader. You know, when all of a sudden he looks at young Luke Skywalker, who is trying to do everything he can to kill him, and says, hey, I'm your dad. I, I, I'm your dad. And everyone, your mind blows up, and you're going, how is that right? And, and he sort of turns the other way. But long before the movie uh, and the screenwriters ever decided to have this twist, to go one way, the Bible actually does this over and over and over. We see it over and all the characters, almost every one of them, you see this where they're going one way, they're doing one thing, and all of a sudden everything changes. I like the story of Abraham. So Abraham gets told by God, hey, take up your son, put him on the altar, and kill him for me. Abraham's going, oh, sure, okay, just want to make sure. Was that you, God? <laughs> you ever done that? God, are you saying that? So he, he, in obedience, he goes and takes him up, ties him all up, puts him on the altar, and I always amazed at Isaac. Isaac's laying there going, okay, Dad, I trust you, man. Where did that go? <laughs> That's incredible. And he's laying there, so Abraham gets the knife and brings it up and is about to plunge it into his heart. God says, whoa, whoa, wait. And the story changes. Everything changes immediately because God says, now I know. Now I know you would give your only son. Now I know you believe me and trust me so much. I'm going to give you a substitute. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to give you not just a, a, a goat in the, in the bushes or a, 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 a sacrifice to replace him. I'm going to give you my own son. That story is amazing how it just changes and goes completely the other way. Or Moses who says, come on, guys, follow me. You know, well, I'll get you out of here. So they're all following Moses. They go down to the sea, and then you think it's over because the sea is there, and there's no way they can cross it. And then he says, trust God in the Water opens up, and they go through the sea. They walk on the sea. They go around, whatever. God is there. I love those twists. I love that. But one of the ones you may not be so familiar with, but I think it's just as powerful, is one that I find in 1 Samuel chapter 16. What happens is that Samuel, the prophet, anoints Saul to be the king. This is his first opportunity to anoint a king. <laughs> And he, he feels like Saul was the one God is saying, I'm supposed to anoint. Saul looked great. And, you know, he's a six foot two, broad shoulders, you know, knew how to fight, knew how to lead. I mean, he was the obvious pick that God would want to use. So he anoints Saul, and the, the story is hilarious because for the rest of the story, you see Samuel going, come on, Saul, <laughs> don't be an idiot. And Saul keeps going, making the wrong decisions rejecting God, pushing God away, doing it the wrong way. And Samuel's struggling with him until finally Samuel says, that's it, that's it. God says, you cannot be king anymore. So what does Samuel do? After declaring that his one big chance to anoint a king, the very first king of Israel, is such a failure. He goes home, 
crawls in bed, and throws the covers over his head. Now, you guys have probably have never done that before, where you just want to lay there, you don't want to get up, you don't want to move. That's what he's doing. He is absolutely crying like a baby in his bed, saying, God, there's nothing. I can't do it. I'm a failure. I anointed the one chance I get to anoint this king, and he turns out to be a total bust. So this is where we find Samuel. It's going one way. He messed up. And sometimes in our own life, we feel the same way. I made the wrong decision. I should have done this, and I did that. I should have gone there, and I didn't. I lost this. This broke up. This didn't happen. Whatever it is, and we're just laying in bed saying, God, I'm a failure. Just move on. Just leave me alone. That's where we find the prophet Samuel in this verse. The Lord said to Samuel, (laughs) how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Let me just stop right there. God rejected him. God is the one that rejected him. Samuel was really upset about that. Samuel thought, come on, give him one more shot. Don't let this be a failure. And he is laying in bed. He just doesn't want to do anything. And so that's where God finds him, moping around. And he says, how long will you do this? I rejected him. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Get up. Get out of bed. Quit crying like a baby. Quit saying I'm a failure. Quit saying it's not going to work. Quit saying I messed up. Quit saying I'm such a sinner. Whatever it is, get up, get your anointing oil, the horn of the oil, and go anoint David because it's going to change everything. Everything is going to change. Because we see David was anointed king by Samuel, and, and the, the Jesus comes from the line of David, and everything, everything that we read in the psalm, it changes everything. But you see where it started. Samuel's in bed going, this is not going to work. I'm a failure. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. And all of a sudden, everything turns around, and it turns on a dime. And God says, get up. Get, get, get into the anointing. Come on. I, I watched uh, King Charles <laughs> the third. Get get. Uh, I, I was up early in the morning Saturday, uh, yesterday, and I was watching them, and, and they were all the singing and the regalia, and it was just, just it was just just amazing. It's overwhelming to watch it all, except this one moment. The one time I have to me watch it, they took it all off. They took his robe off. They took his crown off. They took all the great swords he carries. Killed on. He was just in this white linen, just 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 nothing but a but a simple little covering. He didn't look like a king at all. And they come marching out with these um, like barriers with a, with a cross on them, because that makes it religious. So they're coming on barriers with his cross on and they come marching out. And they just surround the throne the, the, where the chair is so that no one could see. And no camera was there. And then he gets up, they take everything off except this white, simple white uh, covering and he goes behind that and he sits on on his chair because that's where he gets anointing that's where they were going to anoint him because it was it's a powerful moment between you strip off everything that you think you are and you receive everything that god's going to do and i just love the symbolism of that it wasn't all about what other people see and we need to catch that we need to understand the the anointing of god i've been studying First Peter chapter 1, and in verse 2, it says that God chose us. I love this. God chose us. But secondly, it says, but the Holy Spirit sanctifies us because Jesus redeemed us. 
The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit anoints us. You are anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life. You're anointed. And that's exactly what God says, Samuel. Get your anointing on, put it on, and, and go do something. Go change something. What can one person change, you might ask? How can I change anything? How can I do that? This next several weeks, I'm going to start a sermon series that I believe is God is going to use to engage you in what in levels you haven't been engaged before. Because it's simply this. The, the uh, sermon series title is just Jesus Changes Everything. Someone should write a song like that. I don't know. Jesus Changes Everything. It's all about Jesus and what Jesus can do in your life. And you might think, what, what can Jesus, how, how can Jesus change this? Because you might be laying in your bed thinking, this is really bad, this is really hard, I failed, I messed up, and it's all your fault. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying Jesus changes everything. And you might think, how can that happen? And I love Romans 5, 19. Let's look at that really quick. It says, just as though, just as through <laughs> the disobedience of one man, that would be Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of of the one man, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And in this series, we're going to talk about what God can do right now in our life. Next week, a godly mother changes everything. You want to be here for that. Plus, we're going to have a special gift. <laughs> Just come for the gift. No. The point is, I believe in your family, God can change everything. And he does it through godly mothers. And then the next week, we're going to talk about how faith changes everything. We don't really understand faith. We don't understand what God's trying to do in our life all the way into, into June. And I'm, I'm just so excited about it because Jesus changes everything. And you think, well, how can that happen? What, is, what, what, what does God do? You see, this morning, I want to talk about service changes everything. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you said Jesus changes everything. Jesus does. But you know what Jesus does? He changes you so that you, through you, God can change the very world around you. Through your service, through what you do. So it's time that we live anointed. <laughs> it's time we put that on. It's time we go our way. It's time we get out of bed and say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. God, I'm going to obey you. And you change the world through me. Change the world through me. Do you realize that the very first martyr, was it someone important? Wasn't an apostle? He was just a simple helper, a deacon. Someone who helped the poor. Someone who helped the helpless. He set up tables. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> he said, what's your ministry? My ministry is setting up tables. I set them up and I take them down. That's what his job was. To make sure that people were taken care of, that the food was distributed right. He didn't wear a title like apostle. He wore a towel like Jesus. And he was the very first martyr. And that, the one I'm talking about is Stephen. And you can find that in Acts chapter 7. Stephen changed everything because he, he allowed that power, that anointing, that what he was doing. Setting up tables, breaking up tables, feeding the poor, doing this. He allowed that to change who he is, and so it touched people around him. Stephen changed 
everything. You see, the power begins here. The power begins in you, moving through you, and what you're doing and, the, and, and, and how you're touching people. See, I think we, got, we have to stop seeking titles. We love titles, <laughs> do we not? I'm, 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 I'm this, I'm this title, I, 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 I have this. I have and we have to start living towels of service. We love the titles. And so often people seek the titles. But, the, but, but the, what I have found is those that are already doing the work get the title. And so many, so many times we say, God, put me this and let me do this, let me do this, instead of just saying, God, let me be the servant. When I was in college, I was made, I was appointed, anointed the director of, the music ministry director of a team we called Vessel. So I, had, I was the director and I had a music director and we would go out and we traveled all summer long, 10 weeks, and I organized every single booking. I booked it. We would probably sing seven, eight times a week. Busy, busy, busy. They, they actually wouldn't let me sing, but that's another story. They would sing about 45 minutes and then I would <laughs> preach about 15 minutes. And it, it, it was an incredible experience and learning experience, but I was the leader of this group. And of course, you know, there's a bunch of just college students all, all together, and, and there was problems that, that would come up and such. And one of my problems was a drummer. The problem's always the drummer. <coughs> no, just kidding. No, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Where's the drummer? Come on. He's out there listening, I know. But this guy was just a freshman, and so he's a nice guy and had a great heart, but just had an complete attitude problem against anything that had to do with authority. And I was appointed the leader. I was anointed the leader. Come on, everybody knows it. I am the, the worship uh, or the music uh, director of this. I, I, I'm in. And I remember one time, he, had, he would be late for practice. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're at this little church somewhere, you know, singing. And he wouldn't be at practice. How could you not? Where do you go? There's nowhere to go. <laughs> you didn't even have cell phones back in those days. And so, so it's not like he's on the phone or anything like that. And I'm looking all around and I actually find him on the phone, on the church phone, calling long distance. That's another whole story. Because they used to be this thing called long distance, but it doesn't, they don't have that anymore. So he's on the phone and I just, I, I, I had it. I had it. But I just, what are you doing? We got to go practice like that. And so he, I said, come on, it's life. So we're going up the stairs to where we practice. And I'm behind him. And he's just giving me constant lip. He's just talking back to me. And I'm, just, and I'm trying to correct him and try to put him on the, the, the good path. <laughs> and I'm going, and he's walking, and I'm walking, and he's walking. And we start to get to the stairs. I'm probably going on the camera. You just deal with it. So I'm, I'm on the steps, in case you don't know. So I'm over, he, I'm over here, and every step I take, the anger in me just gets a little bit more. And every step, I mean, I walk up there and I'm, I'm going up there and, every, and he's just giving me mouth the whole time. So much so, by the time I get to the top of the stairs, I am screaming at the top of my lungs, yelling at him, telling him how I am in control and he needs to do what I say. That always works. Come on. That's leadership 101. <laughs> the team is up there, you know, going, whoo, you know, worship teams. <laughs> they just go up there and go, we're all good, we're all good, we're all good. And all of a sudden they see this and this pat and this leader, you know, is up there screaming and, and, and by this time the drummer's going, what did, you, what did I do? And I'm thinking, what did you do? But I'm going to set me off all over again. And then, and then I got up there and finally went to practice and they were like, oh. And I, and I had to repent. 
because my attitude was all wrong, and I, and I, I, I don't ever remember being that angry. And I had to get alone, and I said, God, why, why was I so angry? And he said, I felt God said, because you just thought you had the right. And I thought, oh, man, it was nothing but pride. He wasn't doing what I said. And I was the one they were supposed to say. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was so angry at that. And, was, and I thought, man, I was, it was all about, and I learned right then, it's not about the title. It's about the towel. If I had a little bit more tact, a little bit more understanding, it doesn't mean I didn't need to correct him, but just do it a little bit different way, then I think that would be completely different. You see, we need to understand that service changes everything and how we serve. Let me just say it this way. Service changes the very meaning of how we live, the very meaning of our life. It, it changes everything. Do you realize that before Stephen was stoned, the word witness is the word, the Greek word martyr. And that word was used. And so if, if they would come up, if someone would come up and be a witness in something like that. Was there, bring out the martyrs, and they, they would all stand there. It just means to testify. That's all it meant. But after Stephen, everything changed. He literally changed the meaning of the word, the Greek word. Because after that, to, to be a martyr meant to testify with your very life, <laughs> to testify all that you are, to, te- to, to give everything. It put a, a whole new meaning <laughs> to witness <laughs> Uh, can you imagine that? See, I grew up in a church where they say, hey, can I get a witness? <laughs> Come on. Can I get a witness? You know, and people would say, yes, yes. You know, I, I grew up, that's the kind of church I grew up in. Can I get a witness? Can you imagine? Hey, can I get a martyr? Uh, what? <laughs> what do you mean, can I get a martyr? I don't want to, you know, that's someone who dies. Yes, that's what it means to be a witness for Jesus. That's what it means to give everything. It's, it's not about this Jesus talk. See, that's the problem. We go, we're going up to people and just giving them too much Jesus talk. They don't care about that. They don't care about Jesus. What they want to see is you're going to give your very life for this Jesus. You give your very heart, your very soul. You would care for me. You would reach out for me. You would help me. You would do this for me. Who are you? And what is this about? Ah, now that's Jesus. See how the word and everything changed? It's not just about talking about Jesus. It's surrendering all for Jesus. You know, they say, and many scholars believe, that the first stone was actually thrown out by Saul, who later becomes Paul. It doesn't say that in Scripture. But the way it worked is everything was set off by the first stone. So whoever is in charge, whoever can make the accusation stick, whoever can say this person deserves death, they throw the first stone. It didn't even have to hit the person. It had a nice little system worked out. Whoever threw the first stone would, would, would go away knowing I didn't kill him, and everyone else would say I didn't throw the first stone and throw the rest of the stones and kill him. <laughs> and so it's very likely that Saul threw the first stone, set everything in motion, and went back and watched, which is what they, the leader would have done, and all the cults were put at his feet. Because he was the one in charge. So he threw the first stone, I believe, and watched Stephen die. And that stone, I believe, was the first seed to Jesus changing Saul to Paul. Because Jesus comes and, and there he is, but I think God was already working on him. 
See, it's not just about the moment someone gives their life to Christ. It's not about the moment they're just standing before you years and months and days before that. God has been planting seeds and stirring hearts and bringing people to the point of conversion. And I think that's exactly what God did. The stone that, that saw through actually changed Paul. And Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and changed everything about how we understand Christianity and how we understand God. Changes everything. Service changes everything. And Stephen did that through his life. You see, not only that, but all of a sudden, the, uh, the church that was in Jerusalem that said, hey, come to us and we'll tell you how to know Jesus, it all changed. Because after Stephen's death, after he gave this service at his very life, to be a martyr, then everything changed. And only the disciples stayed in Jerusalem. And everyone else, the whole church, left and spread the gospel all over Asia and brought the, and began to multiply the very church. All of that happened because of one man's service, because of one man who gave everything to God. His service spread all around. I love the story of Rebecca. Rebecca is just a young, sweet girl living for God in purity and holiness and, and just doing what she could. And all the way back, a long place away, uh, uh, Isaac has to get a, uh, a wife for his son, Jacob. And so he says, I want you to send a servant, says, go to where my family is and look there. And he gets there and the servant is on his way and he says, I don't know how I'm going to find her. He says, let it be this, God. Let a woman come up and give me a drink of water, and not only me, but say I'm going to water all my camels. And that's exactly what happened. So here's Rebecca, who's just doing what she's doing, just going through the motion. And all of a sudden, she sees this man who comes up and says, can I have a drink? And she says, absolutely. So she pulls this big old jug and puts it on her shoulder and pours it out so he can get a drink. And she, as she's doing that, she said, hey, I'm going to water every one of your camels. Do you know how much camels drink when they're thirsty? A lot, I don't know, but it's, I, I would imagine it's a lot. You know, that's where the humps get stored, the money, the, the water. That's what I hear, I don't know. Anyway, so she's going to do all of that? It changed. That act of service changed everything. Became the wife of Jacob. In the heritage of everything that God's trying to do, changed everything because she was willing to serve, because she was willing to give. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Did you just catch that? Everything that you have, every gift that we have, every talent that we have should be used for serving others. That's what service is all about. Which is a ministry of God's grace. Your service is an actual a stewardship of God's grace. You might have heard the parable Jesus says about the man that had uh, five bags of gold and gives it to one servant, and two bags of gold gives it to another servant, and one bag to one. And the one with five becomes ten, the one with two becomes four, the one with one buries it, doesn't do anything, doesn't want to give it, doesn't want to risk it. You, you, you read through that and you think, really, what was that all about? Let me just put it in a picture according to what we just read that helps us understand. Instead of bags of gold, because you think he, he doesn't need it, how many bags of gold does God need? No, you know, come on. <laughs> Let me do it this way. God gives you five bags of grace, and you two bags of grace, and you one bag of grace. 
What you do with that grace will change lives. You are a steward of God's grace. That's what our service is. Our service is a steward of the very grace of God, and it will change everything when we give it out. Here's my second thought. Service changes how the very world sees Jesus, how they know who Jesus is, how they are serving Jesus Christ, and, and, or whether they even want to serve Jesus Christ. You see, when we're serving Jesus, and we use the name Jesus, you realize Jesus is a trigger word. <laughs> Our world is just consumed with triggers. <laughs> they are. I don't know. They're just, everyone's triggered about everything. Trigger, trigger, trigger. You, you look funny. That triggered me off. You know? and, and so everyone gets offended and everything. But the world is really triggered by, that, by the very action, the very uh, insertion of Jesus into the conversation in, into their life. And that's what happens with, with Stephen. Stephen, he's saying all going through, you know, that Moses did this and Abraham did this and all this. And, and the, the, everyone was going, okay, that's a little strange, but we, we get that. Until he gets to the point of Acts 7, 56, and they set their high, uh, hair on fire. It just, everything goes crazy. And in Acts 7, 56, he said, look, <laughs> look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man. That's Jesus, by the way, in case you didn't catch that. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I see heaven open. Okay, if you missed last week's sermon, go back right now and listen to it because it will set you free to understand that heaven is open. It's an open heaven. And that's what he says. I see heaven open. Everything is changing. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. And they went nuts. They were it just just went screaming and grabbing Stephen. And then Saul threw the first stone and he died. I, I watched this article, I read this article with amazement. In Ireland, they are in the process of passing this law that says what you carry, not just what you say, what you carry could be a trigger for someone and could get you thrown in prison. Thus the Bible. If you carry a Bible and someone sees it and is triggered, by and offended by that, or a cross. And I'm thinking, in Ireland? Are you kidding? I think everything else is a cross. How, how, how are they going to do this? But it's, in, it's actually in their process. I don't know if it'll pass, but it's in their process to be passed. That the world rejects. They're okay with some of these other things, but when it comes to that, the world loves service. In fact, they say, hey, church, you should be doing more. You should be helping the poor. You should be feeding them. You should be clothing them. Church, you should be doing it. They love that. They want us to do it. We're supposed to do it. And we do do it. But if you insert Jesus in there, I've been at places where, you know, you give a, uh, you, they just want an opening prayer. <laughs> and and they, just, they just want an easy open prayer. You know, say God all you want. No problem. But you say Jesus... <laughs> And all of a sudden, you know, then I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and everything just blows up. No, no, no. Just say God. Don't say Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. And when we put Jesus in our service, it changes everything. The world wants service. They don't want Jesus. They don't want his works. I love one of my favorite quotes from Mother Teresa, is this one. Joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. Here's Mother Teresa. 
who exemplifies helping the poor and helping those that are helpless. Here is she. She does more than anyone. And you know what she said? The joy, the life that you're doing, the service that you're doing is actually meant to be a net that changes the course and the life of souls so they can find Jesus. That's our work. That's what we have to do. Our service must point to Jesus. If it doesn't, if we're just doing helping people, it doesn't mean anything. The world does that. They're not impressed. But when we give, and we give because Jesus died for me and gave me everything, so I'm going to be a martyr for you to help you because Jesus Christ wants to do that. That's what changes everything. Our, our service must point to Jesus. That's how we win the loss. Here's my last thought. Service changes the path of the loss. It'll actually change the very path of the loss. You see, I think the first drop of change that happened in Saul to become Paul were from the very first drops of blood that Stephen gave. He gave his life changed Saul's life so that when Jesus said hey why are you persecuting me follow me he said okay that's it I'm done I'm going to follow you I'm going to follow you Jesus I actually believe one of my fears just mine I can't prove this but when Paul prays hey get this thorn out of my flesh what is that it could be a sickness because he was beaten several times. It could have been pain. It could have been all that. I think it might relate back to, I threw the first stone. I threw the first stone. And persecution broke out everywhere. I led the persecution. Maybe some of the very people that was in the church he's speaking at were the sons of the daughters of the very people he had killed. And said, God, how can I live with this? And God said, my grace is sufficient. <laughs> you can do this. <laughs> Come on. Just get out of bed. Quit moping around. Don't, don't lay there and say, I can't do anything. I'm a failure. This is not right. Get out of bed. Do something. Go with my anointing and change the world. Because your service can change everything. You see, Saul th- might have thrown the first stone. <laughs> but Stephen had the last prayer. Stephen had the last word. Because in Acts chapter 7, verse 60, it says that Stephen, then he fell on his knees and cried out loud with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Almost mirroring what Jesus said on the cross when he gave his life so that we can be saved. Father, forgive them. That's what Stephen said. Don't hold this. Now, I want you to get the power of what just happened there. I, I don't know, but I think if Stephen said, God, punish these people for what they did, maybe Saul doesn't become Paul. But he said, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. Because my blood, is going to, to open the door. You see, Jesus' blood is the only blood that cleanses. 
It's the only blood that cleanses. It's only through Jesus. Jesus changes everything. But our service opens the door. It'll open the door and change someone's life. If we're willing to step up and say, me, I'm here. I'll do that. I'll do that. (laughs) Saul had the last stone. Stephen had the last word. Mm, mm. God, change us. God, move in us. And I love the fact that it says he said it loudly. Because I think maybe he wanted Saul to hear it. Because he was off by this time. Maybe he didn't see him. Maybe he didn't even... He couldn't even tell because everyone else was just throwing rocks at him. Maybe the blood was in his eyes, but he said, he said with a loud voice, because he wanted Saul to hear it. You don't have to be this way to the very last moment. I think the question that just pierces my heart is, what is the cry the world hears from ours, service? What is the cry the world hears from your service is it hey i'm doing this because you're a bum doing this because you know i I feel better or is it jesus loves you died for you it'll change your whole life what is the cry the world hears from our service that's my cry jesus changes everything change me Jesus, change me. Change me. So that my blood, my efforts, my service, my acts, whatever it is, will open the door for someone that needs you. You see how your service does it? We just think, oh, just me. It's, I can't do anything. I'm just going to stay in my bed and put the covers over my head. <laughs> Stephen served to the very feet of Jesus and changed everything. You can't imagine what the gospel story would be like without Stephen giving everything. Didn't even have a title, but wore a towel. Come on, people. Let's put on the towel. Let's strip everything off. Let's take it all that and be anointed simply with the armor of God which is pretty cool, you know, the armor, the breastplate, the shield. That's pretty cool. But if we're wearing that, we can see the world change. You can see your family change. You can see uh, uh, your marriage change. You can see your finances change. You can see every aspect of what God's trying to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this amazing, amazing church, these amazing people. God, I pray that you would start with me. God, let me be the servant that wears the towel, that opens the door to see people come to know you. Let each and every one of us change everything because you changed us. God, I'm believing for that. And God, if there's anybody watching, if there's anybody that are that's watching this video or in this place, that their heart is stirred, their heart is challenged. They say, God, help me. God, I need you. God, I pray right now you would touch their soul. Forgive them of all of their sin. And move into their life. And life of surrender to you. I give you thanks for all of that. In the name of Jesus. Amen.